Hey, everyone. It's good to see you all. Who had a donut? Come on. Confessional time. They're good, aren't they? They are delicious. Does anyone have two? Anyone? Anyone? I'm saving mine for later. Saving mine for later. Well, we find ourselves in a four-week series that we've titled One Another, Experiencing Authentic Community. Uh, If you've been at Christ Point for any length of time, you may have heard us say that we exist in order to point people to Jesus. We want people to see uh, the beauty of Jesus. And so we pursue that as a church in four uh, practical ways. We want to encounter the life-transforming power of the Word of God. We want to experience authentic community. We talk about establishing a culture of joyful service and engaging all people. And so in this series, we're focusing on that second core E statement, this idea of experiencing authentic community. Two weeks ago, uh, we looked at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, and we looked at four of the marks of that early New Testament community that we read about in the book of Acts. We said that they were a community that was devoted to the Word, to each other, uh, to Christ, and to prayer. Last week, uh, my friend Keith uh, opened up the Word and began really the first of three one-anothers that we're going to talk together about. He talked about this idea of forgiving one another. If you are not here uh, for that message, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you go online and tune in um, yeah, it's just such a, a powerful word. And so I want to encourage you, if you were not here last week, uh, to go online, find uh, our uh, Christ Point Church on YouTube, and you can watch back uh, that service. Uh, today, of course, is Father's Day. You may have heard. Uh, I understand that sometimes there is a temptation for us within the church to be driven by our Hallmark holidays. Uh, we don't want to fall victim to that. And yet the reality is, is there's a, there's a reason that we celebrate moms in May and dads in June, and so we want to do that in part today. We want to uh, honor our dads, and I want to do that in really uh, three particular ways. My message this morning is for dads specifically, but it's for all of us generally. And what I want to do is I want uh, all of us to consider the powerful love of God that God has toward us. I want to give dads and you an impossible call that you are unable in your own strength to do. And then I want to give you some good news and let you know how we can do the impossible thing uh, really well. So those three things. Uh, Billy read three separate passages this morning. You may have noticed a theme. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 talks about this idea of loving one another with brotherly affection. Uh, 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. John chapter 13, verse 34, I just had to go back to the gospel of John. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. The call uh, to love one another is really not controversial. Like we talk about it a lot, not just within the confines of a church community, but we talk about it uh, out in the real world as well. People talk all the time about uh, loving one another. It is nearly a universally agreed upon call uh, for us to love each other. Uh, As far back as the 60s, uh, people sang, this is the 1960s, people sang what the world needs now is love, sweet love, thank you, 
Chris Cody, who was actually around when this was written. It's the... <laughs> that was wrong. It was wrong. I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. You were there. You were there. It's the truth. We can't deny it. <laughs> what the world... I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said that. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing. There's just too little love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love, not just for some, but for everyone. Right? Isn't that what we want? We want love. We want to experience love. We want uh, to know love. But what, what is love? Because we hear the song, we can even sing along, and we may have this idea in our heads of what that actually means. But sometimes the Bible gives us a, definition, a different definition uh, than maybe uh, the world does. You see, love is a bit of a loaded term. We talk about love in so many different ways. Uh, we love a new restaurant or we love a new vacation spot. We uh, love our spouse or our kids or a friend. Uh, but certainly we don't love our spouse in the same way that we love chips and salsa. And we do love chips and salsa. And we, don't, we don't love a sibling, our brother and sister, the same way that we love sports or fishing, right? We, we love sports and fishing more than we love a brother or a sister. No, it's, it's just different. And yet we throw out the term a whole lot. And so I want us to think together just for a moment before we hop into these passages about a biblical definition of love. When we talk about love, what does it look like? What is it? C.S. Lewis, in his book, Four Loves, uh, talks about four biblical terms that are used throughout Scripture to define what love is. There are times when the Bible talks about love, and it means a romantic love. It is a love where uh, lovers hunger for one another. But there are other times when Scripture talks about love when it alludes to this idea of friendship where two people are locked arm in arm or stand side by side and they're moving toward a, a common mission or a vision or a goal. Uh, still other times when the Bible talks about love, it refers to an affection that one might have for per perhaps an object or even a person. When we talk about a sweater or a pair of jeans or an old hat, that we love. It's like we feel affection toward this thing. There are times in the Bible when Scripture talks about love that it's referring to a feeling, this affection that we have toward something. And still other times when the Bible talks about love, it could be referring to divine love that is characterized by sacrifice and the pursuit of someone else's desires or needs. So the, the picture that we have in Scripture of love is, is a full picture it's not just butterflies in the stomach and us feeling maybe a particular way toward a person. Uh, it, is, it is vast and it is full. One author, when talking about the magnitude of God's love uh, for us, measured it or described it, defined it using four criteria. Uh, the first was the degree to which the person loved does not deserve to be loved. And so if you want to consider or think about the magnitude of someone's love for you. Think about the degree to which the person loved does not deserve to be loved. Secondly, think about the greatness of the price paid to love a person. 
Maybe the sacrifice that is made. Third, think about the greatness of the good that is done for the person when he or she is loved. What, what did that love cost? And then fourth, think about the level of desire that God has for the good of the one who is loved. Uh, whether or not we think together about C.S. Lewis's uh, four words for love that we find in Scripture, or whether we think together just about the depth of love that God has uh, for our kids, it is, it is clear that God calls us to love one another in a variety of ways in the Bible. And so again, this morning, I want us to think together first about what are some of the marks or qualities of God's love for us, and then I want to call us to do something impossible, and I want to encourage us that the impossible is actually possible, and I'm going to share why. So first, let's think together about some of the qualities of God's love. This is not an exhaustive list, because I know you guys are thinking about barbecue, uh, so we're not going to be here all day. Number one, the love of God that we read about in the Bible is God-initiated. Um, God's love is God-initiated. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the payment uh, for our sins. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us. John 13, 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. So the Scripture teaches us that God loved us first. God initiated love with His kids, with you uh, and with me. Um, God did not love us because of our response to Him. God did not sit us down and say, listen, I've been, I've been looking at the last three or four quarters, and I'm liking what I'm seeing. Right? You, it's taken a while, but you finally got your act together. And because of your performance, because of what you've done, because of your love that you've shown toward me, in turn, I'm going to love you. That's not uh, the love of God. God does not love that way. God initiated love with us. Oftentimes, I will ask a young couple in love or even a married couple, still sort of in love, like, hey, tell me your story. Like, like, who pursued who? And then they go in and they tell me a story about, well, I, you know, he, he, he really didn't like me a whole lot at first, but I, I won him over. You know, it took some time. It took some convincing. Or the guy might say, no, that's, that's not how it worked. I, I pursued her, and she didn't want anything to do with me. Like, it took some convincing. I, I came toward her, and she ran, and she ran. But finally, finally, I wooed her, and I won her over, and she gave in. Oftentimes, when we talk about love, we talk about one party initiating love or chasing after another. In our relationship with God, God initiated a love with us. It's not because we were spectacular. It's not because we were all uh, that impressive. It is, it is just because that is how uh, the love of God works. God initiated 
uh, the love that he has for us. Secondly, God's love is unconditional and undeserved. God's love is unconditional and undeserved. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God shows his love for us and that while we were sinners, uh, Christ died for us. While we were sinners. Literally, it means while we were in the act of sinning, like in the midst of our brokenness and our sin, while our hand was in the cookie jar, at our very worst, uh, God sent to us His very best. Christ died for us. God's love for His children is unconditional and it is undeserved. It is not a reward for good behavior. Um, he, he did not warm up to the idea of us after a while. Right? He, he didn't look upon James and go, I'm kind of on the fence. You know, your, your shtick isn't all that funny to me. But then after time, he finally got off the fence and said, okay, I give. I really do love you. Now, the love of God is, is unconditional and it is undeserved. We don't earn it. We don't earn it. It's not given to us because of our good behavior. God does not love that way. Uh, God doesn't love that way, um, but oftentimes we do. We love this way. This, this is not foreign to us. Love that's given based on someone else's performance or behavior is not difficult for us to grasp or understand. It, it is what comes naturally to us. It comes naturally to us. Um, our love is oftentimes connected to someone else's response in our life, their response toward us. If someone gives us the cold shoulder, if they treat us poorly, uh, we are quick to think, oh no, <laughs> I ain't got time for that. I'm not going to deal with it. Our, our natural bent, our natural bent is, is not to love uh, unconditionally. Um, it is to function in such a way where we want other people to deserve our love. Now listen, the reality is, is when, when people treat us a certain way, when they act a certain way toward us, it's nearly impossible for us not to uh, respond um, we're, we're human beings. We're human beings. And so we, we get hurt and we get offended and it becomes difficult um, for us to love people uh, in this way. So I'm not suggesting that we don't feel when people treat us poorly. Uh, what I am suggesting is that the love of God is not built upon our performance and it is not built upon our actions uh, toward God. Uh, we don't earn our way into his favor. We do not earn his love. It is not transactional like that. Um, God's love is undeserved. Um, it, is, it is unconditional. And third, God's love is sacrificial. God's love is sacrificial. First John chapter 4, verse 9, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is how the great love of God was seen in Scripture and in life. God the Father sent God the Son for you and for me. We, we know 
we know sacrifice in love in part. Like, like this much. We've made sacrifices in relationships with others. As friends, we've cleared our calendars. We've shown up when a friend was in need. Like how many guys have, have been there when one of your friends has moved? Anyone? Anyone? How many, just honestly, how many people, that was the last time you ever saw that person? Like, you're like, I'm out. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that again. Right? I was always the guy that like showed up near the end when they were shutting the truck. And I was like, oh, man, did I miss it? And they're like, yeah, but there's pizza in the living room. And I'm like, okay, I'm your guy. No, you like you sacrifice in, in relationships. You sacrifice in marriage. You sacrifice in parenting. Have you ever looked around at a movie theater before and saw 100 kids under the age of 10 and realized you were watching two and a half hours of The Little Mermaid? That's sacrifice. I didn't do it this last time. I didn't have it within me. But people make those kinds of sacrifices. They make those kinds of decisions because they know that love is, is marked by sacrifice. But all the ways that we sacrifice, although important, in comparison to the great sacrifice that God the Father made by sending God the Son, it just pales in comparison. It pales in comparison. Remember the four criteria of love that I mentioned earlier, the degree to which the person loved does not deserve to be loved. We, we did not deserve the love of God, and yet God loved us. Secondly, the greatness of the price paid to love a person. There is no greater price than the Son of God laying down his life for you and for me. Number three, the greatness of the good that is done for the person when he is loved. God loved us in such a way that he brought us to himself. He restored a relationship with us. The lost was found. The enemy, you and me, we became friends. The rebel is called a son or a daughter of the king. Number four, the level of desire that God has for the good of the one who is loved. God has good desires for his kids. So God initiated a love toward us. That love of God is undeserved. That love is sacrificial. And fourthly, that love is eternal. It's not for a season. God's love is a forever love. Romans chapter 8, verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Who shall separate? What should separate us from the love of God? Nothing. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. Maybe you're here this morning and you felt the sting of a lost love. Maybe there's a, a relationship, a marriage that you thought would last forever. And it didn't. Maybe there was a friendship that you had in your life and you thought, this person is going to be with me until I take my last breath. And you look around and they are no longer there. Maybe you have felt the sting of lost love. But God does not stop loving his kids. You skip your devotions one morning like your, your prayer life is sketchy at best. You string together a handful of questionable decisions. God doesn't stop loving you. His love is eternal, and we long for that. We long to have experiences in life that do not come to an end. 
Like how many times have you had an experience where you thought, man, I hope this never ends? It could be something small. It could be going to a concert or a sporting event, something you go to and you experience and you think to yourself, oh, this is so fun. I hope this doesn't end. Maybe you've enjoyed a vacation before. You've traveled and you've gone somewhere and you're like, oh, Lord, thank you for this. This is amazing. I hope that this never ends. But there there is something common about all those experiences in life that we have that we say to ourselves, I hope this never ends. And the thing that is common in all those experiences is oftentimes they come to an end. But that is not so with the love of God. God does not cease uh, loving his kids. The love of God is undeserved. It's sacrificial. It is eternal. Um, And that's just scratching the surface. I got to be honest with you, even in talking about it, I recognize and realize that I'm grasping for straws. Like I'm I'm trying to explain the unexplainable. I'm I'm trying to find words in the English language that do justice uh, to the love of God. And I understand that I fall woefully short. In his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, A.W. Tozer, who was a whole lot smarter than me, wrote this about the love of God. From God's other known attributes, we may learn much about his love. We can know, for instance, that because God is self-existent, his love had no beginning. Because he is eternal, his love can have no end. Because he is infinite, It has no limit. Because God is immense, his love is incomprehensibly vast, bottomless, a shoreless sea before which we kneel in joyful silence, from which the loftiest eloquence retreats, confused and abashed. He goes on to write, Yet if we would know God and for others' sake tell what we know, we must try to speak of his love, All Christians have tried, but none has done it very well. I can no more do justice to that awesome and wonder-filled theme than a child can grasp a star. Still, by reaching toward the star, the child may call attention to it and even indicate the direction one must look to see it. So, as I stretch my heart toward the high, shining love of God, someone who has not before known about it may be encouraged to look up and have hope. So that's what I'm doing now. Like, I'm, I'm, and I'm like praying that God would give us affections for Him in such a way that our gaze would be fixed upon His, uh, His goodness and His love for you and me. Like, we're, we're, just, we're just looking to the star. We are grasping for something that we cannot even begin to explain. Your heavenly Father loves you that way. That's how He loves us. He loves us with that kind of love. So dads, I said to you that I wanted us to consider the powerful love of God. We've scratched the surface. And now I want to call you, um, really both dads, but church family, um, to do the impossible. What I'm going to ask you to do is impossible. And what I want you to do is, as in the same manner uh, that God loves you, um, I want to call us 
um, to love one another. Like that inexhaustible love of God. I want you, I want you uh, to love one another in the same manner. This is what God's word calls us to do. Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection. Feel a certain way about your brothers and sisters. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. When Scripture calls God's people, what Scripture calls God's people to do is to love one another the same way, in the same manner that God has called us or that God has loved us. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Another. I take that to mean that there is something about the nature of God's undeserved, sacrificial, eternal, never-ending love that should mark our love for one another. Our passage in Romans, Romans chapter 12, verse 10, simply tells us to love one another with brotherly affection. It's taking those two definitions that, that Lewis talked about, this idea of brotherly love and combining it with having a certain affection or longing towards our brothers and sisters. So, so the, <laughs> this isn't some pie-in-the-sky idea. The, the Bible calls us to love one another in such a way that we actually feel it. Like that, that we feel affection uh, toward the people of God. And that, listen to me, that apart from the work of God is impossible. It, it is not hard, it is not difficult. Apart from the work of God, it is impossible. We can love one another like that for a season. It's like when you, like, it's when you first get married and there are no faults. And you're just happy to be together. You're just happy to be together. Someone's late. It doesn't bother you. You would say, I would, I would wait eternity for you. Like the next week, you're leaving. You're sending texts. You're like, I'm leaving if you're not out. If you're not out of the house in like three two, one, I'm gone. And five minutes later, you're like, no, I'm serious. I will leave. Right? The, like the honeymoon stage where everything was, was easy. That, that goes. Man, it, it's sweet, but it does not last forever. And then, and then someone steps on your toes. And then someone says something to you that is hurtful. Or someone doesn't say something when they needed to say something. Or someone does something that, that pains you and breaks your heart. Or someone doesn't do something when you wanted desperately for that person to act. And all, all of a sudden, this idyllic, like beautiful, warm, fuzzy, butterfly love, like you feel different. The only brotherly affection that you're feeling is whatever brotherly affection Cain and Abel had. And that didn't end well. And in the midst of that, God's word says, uh -huh, yeah, I want you to love them. 
I want you to love that person like I loved you and like I love you. The same quality and manner that marked my love for my people, God says, I want you to love one another in much the same way. And that's really hard to do uh, when you've been hurt. Um, It's really hard to do. And it's not just hard. Let's be honest, it's impossible. And so maybe you're thinking to yourself, uh, dads, men, women, students, maybe you're thinking, okay, I get that idea. It sounds well and good, but how do I do it? And this is how you do it. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Hope does not put us to shame uh, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. If you are God's child, like if you're his son or his daughter, the God of the universe has poured his love into your heart uh, by uh, the Holy Spirit. That is not just church speak. Um, that, that is true and real. Like God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, has poured his love into your heart. And then he calls you, okay, now I want you to go love other people the way uh, that I love them. So what does that look like? Because I get it. I hear the verse. I know you told me the Spirit is in me, but I'm not feeling it. And so what do I do? So four things. I heard some of these from a a, a pastor not long ago. And I stole them and I tweaked them and I made them my own. Uh, Number one, uh, pray. I know. (laughs) It's like the pastoral answer for everything. But pray. And when I uh, say pray, what I mean is beg God uh, to move in your heart like even when you don't want him to. Even when you think, I don't love that person, and quite honestly, I don't know if I want to love that person. Ask him to change you. Say, God, I don't, I don't love him. I don't feel brotherly affection toward him. I'm mad, and I'm angry, and I'm hurt. But, but God, you commanded me to love him. And so you got to help me. Or, God, I, I, do not, I do not like her. I don't like her. I am mad at her right now. You know what she said about me. You, you know, God, what she did or what she said was wrong. And I don't want to see her again. I don't want to run into her at the grocery store I don't want to see her at the mall. And quite honestly, if I don't see that person on Sunday morning, I'm okay with it. Pray that prayer to God and you say, I feel that and I know you want me to love that person. And so you got to help. Pray that prayer a thousand times before breakfast and then pray it a thousand more. It will not be a one and done prayer. It may be a prayer that you pray for years, but don't stop praying the prayer. Number one, pray. Number two, ask. 
Uh, Ask God to give you eyes to see. And what I mean by that is that the God of the universe, if you're his kid, loves you with a love that is unconditional and undeserved and sacrificial and eternal. And in Christ, he feels the same way about him or her, the person that you might not want to be around. So ask for eyes to see. Uh, God in Christ is your father, and God in Christ is his or her father. God in Christ has forgiven you when you were at your very worst. And God in Christ has forgiven him or her at their very worst. The blood of Jesus covers your sins. And in Christ, the blood of Jesus covers his or her sins. So ask God for eyes to see. And number three, after praying, after asking, remember. Uh, Remember that Christian love is a work in progress. It is not a finished product. What I mean by that is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3 uh, says this, We ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for another is increasing. Like I, I read that, and I think to myself, that's, that's good news. He's writing to the church, and he's going, hey, your faith Your faith is growing, and the love that you have for one another is increasing, which means that it's possible for the God of the universe to stir love up in us that increases with time and doesn't simply decrease. And so I like pray, God, like thank you that we, that we're still a work in progress. And so help me in this area. Increase love in me. Number four, after praying, after asking, after remembering, avoid, reject, or fight against cynicism. Avoid, reject, fight against cynicism. It is so tempting particularly if you have a tendency to be cynical, to think to yourself, there's no hope. This is how this goes. It's life in a fallen world. It is what it is. I saw it coming from a mile away. I say that is someone who, if I'm not careful, has a tendency to lean cynical. So this is for me. And I wonder if it's not uh, for some of you. To have a mindset that goes, no, God is the God of the impossible. He takes impossible things and he makes them possible. He changes hearts and lives. He, make, he brings dead things back to life. God can do it. There's nothing on the planet that God looks at, shrugs his shoulders and goes, it's above my pay grade. Nothing. And so I just, I mean, I want to have a faith-filled mindset and mentality. Uh, recently, I was golfing with my dad, 
and with my son, Cademan, and one of his friends who will remain nameless because I'm going to talk about him. We were on a par three. It was 138 yards, nine iron, eight iron maybe. And uh, if, if you're not familiar with the golf, there's a little ball, and you got to get the little ball and the little hole, and you can't just carry it there in your hand. you got to hit it with a stick. It's challenging. It's challenging. We all hit our 140-yard shots, and uh, Cademan's buddy hits his, uh, except for instead of the ball being on the green, which, which is what you want, it was behind a rather large tree that you could drive a Honda Accord through. I mean, it was massive, right? It's, it's off the green, I don't know, 20 yards, 25 yards. And we're walking up to our balls, and Cademan's buddy, just for the sake of the illustration, we'll call him Henry, <laughs> look, looks at the ball behind the tree and says, I had the right distance. You sure did, other than the fact you're behind a tree. But you know, when he said that, I thought to myself, man, I long to have that kind of mindset. <laughs> right? to, to, to face situations like that and go, man, I had the right distance. <laughs> Just a little bit in the wrong direction. And to, what I'm, what I'm suggesting is that we as, as a people would, would not operate out of cynicism, but that God would fill our hearts with faith and that we would believe and trust that he can change us and change others in such a way that we can actually live out this command. It is hard. It is impossible apart from the Spirit of God. But if you are God's kid, if you are his son or his daughter, you have the Spirit of God in you. And he is capable. He is capable of miraculous things. So listen, I, I want to invite us um, to pray. And I don't know where you find yourself this morning. I don't know if uh, for you, you hear this and you, you're wrestling through it and you're going, I know that's what it says, but it's really hard to do and I need help. I want to invite you in this time to spend time with the Lord and just pray and beg God to move and say, God, would you please help me? Like, would you help me? Pray a raw, authentic prayer and just say, I need you. Like, if God is calling you to love someone in this way, say, God, please help me to love this person in this way. If, if you need eyes to see, then pray and beg and say, God, would you give me eyes to see this person the way that you see this person? If you are here uh, this morning and you just need encouragement that it is possible for love to increase in you, then spend time just giving thanks to God uh, for the promise that he can increase in us. If you want to have and need to have a faith-filled mentality, then pray and ask that God would do that for you. So let's pray um, in these next few moments. Would you pray with me? Father God, we give you thanks for uh, your deep love uh, that you've shown to us in and through your son Jesus. Lord, thank you that uh, your love is steadfast. It's immovable. Doesn't, uh, doesn't change with the shifting of the wind or the waves. Your love is an eternal love. 
I thank you for loving us in that way. Lord, you have called us to be a people, to be a community, to be a church uh, that, that love one another, that love each other uh, in the same manner. And so we, we pray for your help. We hear that, I hear that, and I think about how difficult and challenging it can be at times. And so we come before you and we admit that apart from your work in our hearts, we are without hope. And so, Father, would you help us? Our love for one another is our apologetic to the world. So help us to love one another well. Thank you, Father, for your spirit who has poured your love into our hearts. What was impossible by faith is possible. We give you thanks. God, we love you because you loved us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.